Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness, tempted, he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. For me, the word wilderness conjures up images of the deep forests of the Appalachian Mountains. Maybe for others, it evokes memories of giant sequoias, red rock canyons, or lush rainforests. But when we read about the wilderness in scripture, it isn't what I imagine. Instead, the wilderness of Judea was less hospitable and more treacherous, a barren region between the Dead Sea and the Hebron Mountains, more like the Mojave Desert that stretches across our Southwest. Understanding what assumptions we bring to our reading of scripture and asking questions about the text are always good ideas, especially when it's a passage we think we know because we have heard it so often. We heard this same account of Jesus' baptism at when the season after Epiphany began six weeks ago. And then we heard it echoed in the Transfiguration just last Sunday. But today I'm going to focus on what happens after Jesus' baptism, when he is in the wilderness. Of course, Mark doesn't give us a lot to work with. The temptation of Jesus is only two verses long in this gospel. Unlike Matthew and Luke's longer narratives, Mark never says that Jesus fasts. We don't have any details about Satan's hijinks here. Mark doesn't include any of the banter between Jesus and Satan. In fact, Jesus doesn't even speak in Mark's account. One detail Mark does include that isn't in Matthew or Luke is that Jesus was with the wild beasts. In my imagination, again, I want this to be like the peaceful kingdom in Isaiah 11, when the prophet says, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. However, it's more likely in the biblical narrative 
that the wild beasts were just that, untamed beasts of the field and beasts of prey that would have threatened Jesus' safety in the wilderness. They were less like the friendly talking animals in the Chronicles of Narnia and more like the ravenous dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. In ancient cultures, the wilderness was symbolic. It marked the boundary of civilization. Like scripture's use of the sea to symbolize chaos, the wilderness represents the domain of Satan and those forces that are hostile to God. It is a place that is not bound by tradition, a place where the rules don't apply. And so in these two verses, Mark sets up a cosmic struggle between, on the one hand, the divine, the Holy Spirit who drove Jesus into the wilderness, and the angels who minister to him while he is there, and on the other, Satan, and all evil powers and creatures. Mark says the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. The Greek actually is the same word used to describe Jesus casting out demons in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. There is an intensity in this action of casting Jesus out into the wilderness that we don't hear in Matthew or Luke where the Spirit merely leads Jesus into the wilderness. And then we have the imagery of 40 days. 40 days is a refrain we hear in the story of the rains before the flood. And again, when Moses climbs Mount Sinai, it is the refrain we hear when the Philistine Goliath taunts Israel. And when, and when Elijah travels to Horeb to anoint Elisha. God is present in each of these Old Testament stories, guiding and guarding the faithful. And Jesus is never alone in the wilderness here either. God doesn't throw Jesus to the wolves to be destroyed. Instead, the period of temptation is a test of dependence upon God. God meets him there, and the angels are ministering to him. Having triumphed over evil now, Jesus stands at the threshold of his public ministry. For all of us this Lenten season, we are also standing at a threshold. On Ash Wednesday, we acknowledged our human frailty and confessed our dependence upon God. The cross is the place where we meet God when we realize we cannot live in accordance with God's commands, when we recognize our human limits. But the good news, the very good news, is that God doesn't ever leave us there in our despair or our sadness. God meets us and raises us up to new life, inviting us to cross the threshold into something new. The late Mary Oliver's poem titled Praying 
describes the invitation this way. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention, then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. What threshold are you standing at and where might God meet you? Oliver invites us to cross a threshold into thanksgiving and a silence where we can hear God speak. In Psalms for Praying, Nan Merrill rewrites Psalm 85 to say, listen in the silent chapel of your heart. Maybe that's the threshold you cross this Lent, to open your heart and listen to hear God speak and silence the noise that drowns out the Holy One. Or maybe Lent is inviting you into new rhythms and practices to draw near to God, to shed the habits and temptations that have prevented you from spending time with God in the past. Or perhaps you find yourself in the wilderness or reflecting on a wilderness experience that you have had in the past, a place where you felt deserted or overlooked or disregarded, a time that disoriented you or challenged you, calling you to dependence on God. This Lent, may you have confidence and assurance that God meets you wherever you are, 